0: What's up everyone and welcome into episode number 74 where I will talk about both Michigan and Michigan State's blowout losses yesterday but before we get to that today is a very important day in the state of Michigan especially for those who are Michigan State fans because today is Tom Izzo's 68th birthday. It's a huge day for the Michigan State fan base as Tom Izzo is probably the most beloved person at Michigan State, Tom Izzo's a winner. Tom Izzo is Mr. March. And before we get into those blowout losses, I do want to give a little bit of praise, talk about some of his accomplishments, just because you never know how much longer Tom is going to be around. Could he be around for a couple more years could he be around for five to ten more years i think it's more likely he'll be around for a couple more years as he goes to chase for that second national championship but because today is his 68th birthday i do want to talk some about his accomplishments and it all starts with his record he is 680 and 275 in his career at michigan state that's a 0.712 win percentage that is incredibly good for how long he's been at Michigan State that is a win percentage that has allowed Izzo to become the winniest head coach in Big Ten history Izzo has also had eight final four runs a national championship and a runner-up in 2009 he has had 10 Big Ten regular season titles he's had six Big Ten tournament championships and I'm sure he'll get more as time goes on now the last few years I think a lot of people or some people at Michigan State have been questioning is he starting to go downhill a little little bit and I think this is a discussion that besides this year was probably a discussion that could have very much been true Izzo and his teams have really struggled the past couple years. And when I say this year, I'm saying more of the type of players Tom Izzo is bringing in this year's or next year's recruiting class. I think Izzo has kind of that energy back. And I know, especially for fan bases this year and how the team's been performing, I understand the frustration. I understand not going to go get a big man in the transfer portal, I think that's understandable to be frustrated with those things, but I don't think Izzo is doing what Mark D'Antonio did. And Mark D'Antonio is a beloved member of Michigan State. I think his legacy was tarnished his last couple of years. Not a whole ton, but I definitely think that those last couple of years kind of leave a bad taste in your mouth. I think people kind of forget how much Mark D'Antonio changed things And that was because of how he left things. And some people might have thought that Izzo's doing the same thing. I don't think he's doing the same thing. I think he's going for that second national championship. And I think he realizes that if he brings in a couple more really good classes, he could make a run. And will this year's team win a national championship? No. I would be shocked if they would. Now, with that being said, do I think Michigan State this year could make a run in March, depending on these next eight, nine games, if they continue to play well, if they get win after win after win, if they start getting hot at the right time. Do you think Michigan State could make a run? You have two great guards. You have Malik Hall, Joey Hauser. Yeah, I do think Michigan State could make a run. But we're talking a little bit about Tom Izzo and – In my opinion, he's the GOAT. At least he's the GOAT at Michigan State. Now I know overall, is he the GOAT? Probably not. For a lot of people, I'm a huge Tom Izzo fan. But is he better than Coach K? Does he have more championships? No. Does he need that second national championship? Kind of. He kind of does need it. If he doesn't get it, will I still defend Izzo as long as I live? Absolutely. I don't think Michigan State will ever see a coach as good as Tom Izzo ever again, in my opinion. Tom is a what he's done for the program, where he's gotten Michigan State, is going to be something that will never be forgotten. He's getting a building named after him, and I really hope that he does get that second national championship because, in honesty, he kind of deserves it at this point. I know some people are like, a coach can't really deserve it, Tom Izzo kind of does. I'm a huge Tom Izzo fan. He's been so close so many times. He's just one game short. He's maybe even a foul away from going to get his second national championship with the whole Butler situation. But overall, happy birthday to Tom Izzo. Happy 68th birthday. Hopefully. He is coaching Michigan State for many years down the road, and I know the day that he retires is a day that the Michigan State fan base and even some Michigan fans might be a little sad just because of how much he's been around and how much I think he really means to the state of Michigan and not just solely Michigan State, which Michigan State he means a lot as well. But that's where uh, the compliments kind of end for this podcast because we're going to talk about two teams that got absolutely destroyed this past week and then let's just get right into it we were talking about Tom let's get right into Michigan State against Purdue it was at Mackey Michigan State has not won at Mackey since 2014 and Purdue is the number one team in the country and the result showed it Michigan State loses 77-61. A.J. Hogard was probably the best player on the court for Michigan State. He had 20 points. But overall, the best player on the court was Zach E.D. by a mile. Zach E.D., a 7-4 big man, is just impressive to watch. There's not very many teams in this country, if any team, that can stop Zach E.D. from scoring if he doesn't get in foul of trouble. Now, if he does get in foul of trouble in any game, that's where it kind of gets a little nerve-wracking for Purdue, because this Purdue team, in my opinion, is quite different when Zach Eadie is not on the court. And we saw in this game, when Zach Eadie was on the court, they could literally throw it down to Zach Eadie. He might get double, triple teaming, and then he'll kick out for an open three or get a bucket really close to the basket. When Zach Eadie wasn't in, Michigan State would go on run after run after run, which then... Forced Matt Painter to put Zach Edie in. A perfect example of this is Michigan State was down 18 at halftime. Tommy time was at 10 nickel, so he was down 20 at really the beginning of the second half. Michigan State cuts it to 10 with about 11 minutes left to go. Michigan State's going on a run when Zach Edie is out. It puts Zach Edie back in, and then next thing you know, it's a 6 0 run by Zach Edie. Zach Edie means a whole lot to this Purdue team, and they have some very young guards that have been very good. Fletcher Lawyer has been very good. There's also one player that really seems like he always goes off against Michigan State, and that's David Jenkins Jr. He's averaging 3.5 points a game, but he scored in double digits. He was three for four from three, four for six from the field. It always seems like these random players that always go off against Michigan State are always way outperform how they've done all year. And it's kind of annoying, honestly. And that that's just what Purdue does to Michigan State, Mackey. They're just not close games. They haven't really been close games since probably the Purdue assassin, Brandon Dawson. That's the last win. It's been since 2014. Michigan State never shoots well at Mackey. It always seems like Purdue gets good bounces at Mackey, and I'm not saying that's the reason why Michigan State lost. Michigan State just did not play well. This was one of Michigan State's worst performances of the year, in my opinion. This was the worst performance probably in a few months. Michigan State has had a couple of, Bad performances, like really bad performances. Notre Dame is one. This was one. You can kind of say Iowa was one, even though you won. Michigan State didn't play extremely well. But Michigan State is starting to get healthy again. And while this was a tough loss, Michigan State's schedule gets slightly easier As they go on the rest of the Big Ten, they do have a game on Saturday. So they get a break, which is really good for Michigan State. They have a game on Saturday in Madison Square Garden against Rutgers. This is a game that I think will be pretty close. It's not at the rack, which is a good thing because if it was a rack, I would not predict Michigan State to win. I think this game's more of like a 50-50 game right now just because it's not at the rack Rutgers is playing pretty well right now michigan state's coming off a loss to purdue like i just talked about but this should be a pretty fun game in a game that michigan state if wins would be huge going forward especially for the seed line for march madness now if michigan state riles off a couple wins i think the whole conversation of michigan state on the bubble is no longer existent do i think michigan state's on the bubble right now no if they lose a couple of games do i think that conversation starts coming up again yeah i do but if michigan state wins three four out of these next nine games while that isn't a great record that's a record probably good enough to get you in to the tournament Now, we can talk a little bit later about that and if Michigan State's on the bubble or what seed line I think we will. That's a few weeks down the road. But a huge game for Michigan State on Saturday. They're finally starting to get healthy. They're having enough time to actually practice, and hopefully Michigan State shows up on Saturday against Rutgers. The other game I really want to talk about is the game between Michigan and Penn State. In my opinion, going into this game if Michigan State, oh, sorry, if Michigan, wanted really any chance of making the tournament, they would have to steal a couple of these upcoming games, which means maybe going a win against Penn State, maybe getting one at Northwestern, and that just didn't happen. At Penn State, Penn State played an extremely good game they end up winning by 22 Jalen Pickett's just an absolute baller for Penn State it seemed like every time he had the ball he was taking the shot and he was making it Penn State shot incredible from the three as well if Penn State is hitting their three ball it's kind of over for a lot of teams just because of how good of a team they are at shooting the three. They went 13 for 30 from three, which is 43.3% from the three line. You can't allow that against Penn State, and the result of the game just kind of shows that. Now let's go on to Michigan. I thought Hunter Dickinson wasn't very good. He wasn't very active. This was definitely not one of those games where you're like, hey, watch that film of Hunter Hunter Dickinson. Definitely not. This is one of those burn the film games for Hunter Dickinson, especially for going up against a Penn State team that historically, especially this year, they're not a very tall team, especially at the center position. I thought this was a game that Hunter Dickinson could have easily dominated while Penn State did go a little taller. They played a guy that, hadn't played a ton of minutes that hadn't hit a ton of shots and he kind of took it to dickinson a little bit now on the other hand jet howard very very good 21 points eight for 13 from the field five for seven from three jet howard is just going to constantly give you these types of performances he's playing himself up for a lottery pick at this point jet howard just will get his 20 points, 15, 20 points every night. It's just kind of a sad situation if you're a Michigan fan, because you have two players. You have Jet Howard, you have Hunter Dickinson. Those two players alone are a great one-two combo. Kobe Bufkin could be number three sometimes. He's been a little inconsistent throughout the year, but this is just a team that hasn't played well, hasn't clicked. Their defense isn't great. Their offense, outside of Jet Howard and Hunter Dickinson, is up and down every single game. They give huge runs throughout the game. Like it was a two-point game before halftime with 4:40 left to go. Penn State went on an 18-2 run with 4:40 left to go. Michigan was in this game, and then you give an a huge run, and basically just ends the game right there. Now, Purdue, sorry, Penn State was hitting back-to-back-to-back-to-back threes, but they were good looks. They weren't really that contested of a three-point shot, and Joanna Howard has to fix this because what does Michigan have going into next year? Hunter Dickinson could come back, which would be great for Michigan. I don't think Jet Howard will come back. If he does, I think that's kind of a mistake, especially because he's playing himself into a passable lottery pick. You have Kobe Bufkin coming back, which I think he's going to continue to improve, and he's going to be a very, very good player, and he already is that. He just needs to be a little bit more consistent. Terrence Williams won't be back. Doug McDaniel, playing him a lot this year is going to benefit him for the future. Michigan just needs to find some help. And if that means playing Will Cheddar more, I honestly think they should. Terrace Reed has played decently well as of late. Jace Howard played 18 minutes. That was kind of a surprise. Joey Baker wasn't hitting his shots. If you're a Michigan fan, it's just kind of tough to watch this basketball team. And being a State fan, I completely kind of understand that. Now, am I saying I understand that this year? No, I think Michigan State's a fun team to watch this year. But the last 2 years for Michigan State i understand how bad of an offense can be or how an offense can be going for one or two players and that's it it's not fun trust me it wasn't much it wasn't fun watching michigan state sneak into the tournament the last 2 years that's not michigan state's expectations i don't think that's michigan's expectations anymore i think michigan's expectations is to make the second weekend. Michigan hasn't made the second weekend in the tournament in the last five years. Michigan went from a team that was fighting to get into the tournament year in and year out to being in a team that you're seeing in the Sweet 16 every year. Now, this year could just be an anomaly, but when can we have that conversation of... Juwan Howard, if he's a good coach or not. I had this conversation last year. About the same time I had this conversation and then Michigan went on an absolute run. They made the NCAA tournament. They made the Sweet 16. And they could easily do that this year. But I don't have a feeling that Michigan will do that this year because I think this Michigan team is different than last year. I thought Michigan last year kind of showed a lot of potential. They showed like they could get there. Michigan hasn't shown that a whole ton. They've shown some they've shown some spurts of being a very, very good team. They were showing some against Kentucky, North Carolina, Virginia. They were showing signs of it. They have players to be able to do that, but they have to put it together more. They have to get Jet Howard performing every game. They have to get Hunter Dickinson dominating every game. They have to have Kobe Buffkin showing up. If Terrence Williams hits his shot, you have Will Cheddar, I think he needs to play more minutes. Terrace Reed can be very good. If if those players all kind of show up, they don't all have to show up at the same time, but they have to be a little bit more consistent. Like you are going to expect Hunter Dickinson and Jet Howard to show up. If you can get one or two more every single game, that's what Michigan State is doing. That's what a lot of teams are doing this year. This year... In college basketball, there is very few college basketball teams that I can say right now that I would be very confident in getting into the Final Four. Number one is Purdue. I feel pretty confident in that. Now, that is extremely scary for me to say because I've always said I do not trust any Big Ten coach outside of Tom Izzo and Duan Howard to make a run in the March because no other really coach has done that. I'm just more worried of if Zach Edie gets either hurt, if he gets in foul trouble, what does Purdue look like, especially against a team that can compete with them without Zach Edie? I think the Big Ten, if Purdue did not have Zach Edie, I think the Big Ten would be much closer than it already is. That's how much of a difference I think Zach Eddy makes. Zach Eaddy is a player That is an absolute mismatch anywhere he goes. He is a guy with great footwork. He's a guy shooting 74% from the free throw line. Purdue's just a very good team. Michigan kept close with Purdue. Michigan State kept one game close to Purdue. It's possible, but Michigan has to start clicking on all ends. They have to do a better job of communicating on the defensive end. They have to get better performances from Bufkin, Reed, Joey Baker has to start hitting his shots. If they do that, they could pull off a couple wins in a row, and you're going to do that if you want any chance to make the NCAA tournament. So, yeah, two not very good games for Michigan State and Michigan, as both teams got absolutely blown out by Purdue and Penn State. Both teams have a chance to make that up later this week. Michigan has a chance to beat Northwestern on Thursday. It is at Northwestern. That would actually be a pretty big win for Michigan. I believe that would be a quad one victory for Michigan, which would be their first of the year. They're 0-8 right now. Then on Sunday, they have a game against their rival, Ohio State at Chrysler Center. And then, of course, Michigan State plays Rutgers on Saturday. Lots going on. Got some exciting podcasts coming up as well, so tune in for that. But, yeah, not a great weekend for sports in Michigan this past weekend. There is a couple of things I want to end on, and that is the NFL. The AFC-NFC championships were this past weekend. The NFC championships weren't really competitive. It didn't help that the 49ers lost Brack Purdy. He couldn't throw the ball. Their backup to Brack Purdy, which is QB4, couldn't throw the ball either. It was an absolute blowout. The Eagles dominated, and I think the Eagles going forward will be the Super Bowl champions in a couple weeks. The Chiefs and the Bengals game, it was definitely a very entertaining game. Went back and forth all the way through the game. Fourth quarter was extremely entertaining. There were some very bad officiating in this game, and I constantly feel like I'm talking about bad officiating, and I probably am. But there's officiating problems in sports right now. And I understand and get that officiating is not a very easy thing to do. It's extremely difficult, but there has to be some way of either fixing it or if you blow a major call that completely changes the game, there has to be some sort of con. There has to be some sort of penalty for it. We have seen over and over so many times these important calls that you look back at or let's say you play third down again in this past game between the Bengals and the Chiefs. There's just too many times where these things are happening over and over and over again, and you honestly feel bad for teams that I affect. Now, with that being said, do I think the Bengals win that game if that thing doesn't happen? They might, but Patrick Mahomes is just very, very good. Travis Kelsey is very good as well. You have the first ever Super Bowl where two brothers are playing each other. You have Jason Kelsey and Travis Kelsey. That will be extremely exciting. I hope to see a very good Super Bowl, a very competitive Super Bowl, a high-scoring Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes versus Jalen Hurts. It's going to be electric. It's going to be fun. I love the Super Bowl. Lots of good things going on right now in the sports world. So, yeah, thank you again for always tuning in, always supporting the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Continue to tune in because we have some very fun episodes coming out very soon.